content warning. This episode features a heartfelt discussion about the recent discovery of the bodies of 215 First Nations children in Kamloops, BC. This was very traumatic uh, for our First Nations, and uh, if this has impacted you, there are uh, crisis lines set up um, for um, anyone who needs them uh, from the First Nations communities. You can call anywhere uh, in North America, 1-800-588-8717. Again, uh, listener discretion is advised um, for this very difficult conversation. You know, I hope it it's okay that I bring something up that is something of a national tragedy for us in Canada right now, and that was the discovery of the um, the the children's remains in Kamloops at the residential school. And I'm probably going to get a bit weepy, um, and and I won't stay on this for long. But I just want to acknowledge the the deep, deep grief that's happening in Canada right now because it's. This isn't something uh, that could just be ignored anymore. And I think that is the one thing that I'm taking from this, is that um, collectively this grief has been happening for our First Nations for hundreds of years. And it was even worse with the residential schools. And one of the elders I heard the other day at an event said that they were inviting more white settler allies to speak about it and to raise the profile of this because they've been fighting so hard by themselves for so long and they need more support. And so I am bringing it up for that reason, partly because that she invited that, um, but also to acknowledge it because it is important to say that grief um, is not something that ever ends and it's something that we can all move moved in together collectively. Um, but I think the more that that's acknowledged, the better. Um, and, you know, it, it is layered on top of the grief of the pandemic and everything that's been lost. Um, and so some people, it's hard to look at it. But I think it's important as a country that we understand that this is part of who we are and we need to move past it. And we need to we need to help people heal and support them. So just saying that, um, but uh, it it really, th- this weekend in particular, it was, it was definitely hard to, um, to just kind of take that in, you know, uh, to to know that that was that happened to people is just uh, horrific um and and that the the solution not solution that's not the right word um, but the i guess kind of the approach if you will right now based on what the elder said uh the other day is to just be in love as much as possible to be kind to each other to be loving to show up for each other um and 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 the rage that is felt is uh is definitely um, justified, but to not act on that, to just be in, as kind and loving as possible. So just want to, uh, to say that I, um, I'm so sorry for the people that are going through that. Yeah. Um, and that said that, um, those emotions are, are real. Like, and if, you know, you're feeling it too, Jordan, it's, uh, it's been fuck, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what else to say about it other than to just acknowledge it because it, I think the more that, um, as a white settler, that I acknowledge that um, and say that that I I share that grief, that um, even though I can't possibly fathom how it feels directly um, to just say that I'm just so sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And that it's okay to cry about it sometimes, you know, like there's been a lot of, uh, I've been crying a lot this week and directly because of that. But um, yeah. Yeah, you know. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it, um, you know, thank you for, for saying that. And, 
Yeah, that's that's when when you're just a sensitive person and you see things like this that is just the most like a, a systemic genocide of marginalized people mm-hmm. and and people who never never had an opportunity because of colonialization to really determine their autonomy after they came in contact with settlers. Mm-hmm. And that's had material generational consequences. And it's also had psychological generational consequences. Like generational trauma is very real. There's mm-hmm. generational trauma in my family. And it's what I, you know, like, again, not, I'm not trying to invalidate my own or anyone else's experiences, but it's tame in comparison. Like mm-hmm. it's there, there, there were awful things that happened in my parents' lives, in my grandparents' lives, but those were not, aside from capitalism, the result of systems designed to oppress those people. Right. Those were the consequences of poverty. Those were the consequences of a lack of education. Those were consequences of poor material circumstances, but not because, you know, the state was directly working to end their existence. Yeah. I think that that's, uh, that's something that, you know, I didn't learn, start learning about the residential school system until I was well into my 40s. It was not something ever taught in any of the schools I went to across this country. Um, and, you know, my mom came to an event, an art opening for my partner at um, a gallery here in Vancouver. And um, there was a First Nations um, elder who, who shared some of her story and she shared a song and it was absolutely like beautiful and touching. And, and my mom was just standing there crying. And, and she was like, how did we not know this? Like, how did we not know what was happening to to our neighbors and people that we thought were living their own lives on their own terms, and they certainly were not. Um, so it is uh, it is kind of a reckoning that's happening right now where um, a lot of people that just, they, they could sort of like sit with like, oh, no, everybody's fine, right? Like, oh, these are choices that people are making or whatever. They're not choices. Like, it is systemic, as you said. And there, there is like a, a deliberate oppression and silencing of... Uh, of nations of people that were here way before us, you know? And um, so I think it is, uh, it's really important to acknowledge and to um, educate ourselves um, and uh, learn how to best be a good, a good ally. I I heard the term, um, I think it was last year. What did she call them? Settler accomplice. You can be accomplices to, to us now. You can support us now. Um, we've been supporting you. Like, let's like let's turn this around. So, excuse me, I'm still quite emotional, but um, yeah, thanks for um, being willing to have that conversation, Jordan, because it's really mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important. And I'm drinking water and just kind of like doing one of these like fan yeah. my face things. I wanted to talk about one more thing because I was just kind of I was sorting through a thought, but hadn't quite mm-hmm. articulated it to myself. And I just wanted to say that like there's there's obviously real material structures that that like like literal governmental systems that that keep this these um these things happening they they still drive that engine but it's also important to recognize um the role that 
settler cultural myth-making plays. There's mm. this, this idea, something I heard all the time as a kid from other white people, uh, kids and adults, but, you know, the kids were socialized the same way I was, was, mm-hmm. you know, about how much fucking free money uh, uh. Uh, First Nations people get and, and how they mm. all get all this free money from the government every month and then a big one-time sum when they turn 18 or something like that. And mm. again, like, there's... There, there, there's always, um, not always, there's often an element of truth to that stuff, like where it's like, yes, there is money exchanging hands in this direction to individuals in this band, but nobody's given the context for that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's like when people get worked up about, um, again, like a perfect example, going back to, uh, this, they were, they were denied 150 million for this, uh, was, I think it was 150 million for this investigation into, um, these, the, the possibility of, of residential school mass graves when this was brought up under Harper's government, um, mm-hmm. that, that, that was that funding for, to do that work was denied because it was going to cost too much, quote unquote, at, I want to say. It was 1.5 million. million. It wasn't one point one and a half yeah. million. One and that's a half what, million. That's what I saw. And we should fact check that, but yes. yes. Okay, so, so let's, go with, let's go with your sum then, because that actually clocks better, because, yeah, uh, uh, 1.5 million, and I just think about, we are, we are spending in Calgary $250 million to subsidize the flames. Good grief. Through this new arena right now. And wow. it's just, yeah, it's, it's yeah, mm. um, um, and, and, and so part of, part of the reason that the mechanisms of government and the systems that are in place are able to perpetuate the way that they are is because of the people who are in power. Um, Mm -hmm. And then part of that is also the function of, of cultural myth-making and the impact of, of how people understand their world and the forces that kind of they conceive of as driving it does affect who ultimately ends up into office because that's what propaganda is a water that you swim in and, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you express you, you, you absorb something from the water after a while. Like you're, you're not going to get into mm-hmm. that voting booth without a little bit of fucking slime on your skin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in either direction. Um, right. but yeah. Um, so, so I think that there's, uh, obviously systems need to be reformed, but there's also, mm-hmm. um, part of, of the role is, is to really kind of, question your own and others assumptions and, and your kind of cultural things that you learned before you, maybe you were old enough to think critically about this kind of stuff. Yes. Um, again, I'm doing so much of that kind of work around body image, around ideas of masculinity, um, mm. all those kinds of things. And, and it's just, you know, when you're, when you're too old to question the programming that you're being given, a lot of things take root that you don't necessarily want or, or even have realized have taken root. Right. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a cultural conditioning that happens, like starting right in the education system, right? Like when when those things are not covered or discussed in history class, or you know, there's there's no um, truth telling there. It's just like here's 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 our system, and we like how our system is working, so we're just going to tell you about um, like really vague parts of our history and 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 frame ourselves as being heroic, you know. Um, and and frame ourselves as having conquered this land and like brought forth this you know fruitful productive you know abundant place uh, and yeah I cannot think of a single history class um, where the 
oppression and the contributions of our First Nations were acknowledged. Not a single one. And, you know, like in the 70s and 80s when, when I was going to school, um, those those schools were still open. The residential schools were open until the 90s. So it's it's appalling. There's no other word for it to me. Um, and it does need to change. And I, I really do hope that these systems will be properly um, overhauled. But you're right that the conversations need to happen within our families and, you know, with the settlers, like, of ourselves, the people that have benefited from this, we need to be having these conversations and um, and helping to educate each other and and reframe things and, and recondition ourselves and, like, be vulnerable in it, um, be willing to be vulnerable in it and not put up a defense. Um, because I, I got that narrative, too, growing up, you know, that people on reserves were just lazy and they had everything given to them, and it's all bullshit. None of that's true. Um, but, yeah, that it's hard to undo that that narrative without first having the conversations um, with, you know, family and friends who um, have long held that belief to, to challenge it uh, and, and not, just, not just scream about it on social media, although that does help to raise the awareness. That doesn't really help change minds. As we know, most people don't change their mind on Twitter. <laughs> um, but, yeah, to uh, just uh, hold that space and, and be willing to uh, be willing to be wrong because that's not something we do very well, right? Just as a people, um, and we're, we're, white people in particular, myself included, are not good at being uncomfortable. And we don't like having our our nice, comfy, cozy lives disrupted by things that that challenge our worldview. But mm-hmm. we need to do that. We 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 absolutely have to do it. Uh, and you know, in the same way that the the reckonings in the in the United States have happened with uh, with the murder of George Floyd and the, uh, the year anniversary of that just passed. There's a lot of people that have had to be uncomfortable and they don't like it. Um, but it, it, the conversations and those uh, uh, belief systems have to be, have to be challenged. Um, and, the, and that's the work, right? Of just allowing ourselves as like uh, white people to be, to be uncomfortable and to say that, shit, man, like we've been, we've been active participants in this, whether we know it or not. And, and it's time to, to, to move beyond that to something better, something something more sustaining, something more sustainable, something more fully inclusive of everybody. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thanks for holding that. Yeah. Being able to talk about that. Um, it's, yeah, so vital. 